Hi, friends. You're tuned in to Legal Means Business, a podcast by Leeway. We are joined by some amazing guests who help us identify how to take your legal function and career to the next level. I'm your host, Steph Smith, and we're talking all things legal ops and legal tech, as well as other critical skills needed to help you thrive in the evolving in-house arena. Don't forget, you can watch us on YouTube or listen on the go through Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy the conversation, please do hit subscribe and let us know what you think on social. Be clear on the reason why you are, like your purpose for having the contract and your purpose for redesigning the contract. And it can be multiple purposes, Mm -hmm. but as long as you're clear on the reasons why, and often it will just be, we want it to be Mm -hmm. easier to read. We want it to be um, Mm -hmm. more user-friendly. And those are good, but you also want to kind of dig in a little bit deeper so that that way, if it's easier to read Mm -hmm. for lawyers, that's one thing, but making sure it actually can be read by your clients or by your customers is uh, is a different question again. Contracts have been long, confusing, and dare I say boring documents for too long now. This makes it difficult to identify and retain key information or build strong, trusted business relationships. Verity White is the founder and chief contract enthusiast at Checklist Legal. She's a commercial lawyer turned legal innovation expert with a passion for redesigning legal documents, contracts and processes to be easy to read, easy to use and of course my favourite, jargon free. When designed well, contracts present huge value for a business and thankfully in this episode Verity shares with us exactly how to go about redesigning your contracts for the better. Verity, welcome to the Legal Means Business Podcast. How are you doing? Hi, Steph. Thanks so much for having me. Mm-hmm. I'm doing very well. Good, good. Probably better than than us this morning, I think, seeing as um, you're at the latter part of your day and we're just beginning. <laughs> it is a beautiful day here in Melbourne, in Victoria, Australia. I've been out cycling around <laughs> in the sun. It's been no. lovely. Yep. Oh my goodness, I'm only slightly jealous. I'm based in Paris, to be fair, so the weather's been quite nice over the last few days. I know. <laughs> Paris, Melbourne, yeah, probably. <laughs> had, had to choose. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, well, today uh, we're going to be talking about contract redesign, which I believe is a bit of a passion of yours um, and your expertise, of course. I suppose to, to dive in, it'd be great to understand how do you know when a contract needs redesigned? Yeah, well, it's a great question. Uh, I think that there's a few different ways to tell. Uh, firstly, if you almost get tense thinking about having to set that contract up for a client or a supplier, if you get a lot of customer complaints or client complaints or client questions, um, whether it's about the contract or about just the services or products in general, um, it can be a sign mm-hmm. that your contracts aren't covering things off. And there's a f- it's just basically whether or not you there's any kind of impetus within the area that you work in as well. If there's a new law coming in, that can be a good good time mm. to 
look at your contracts again. And I always like to do a little check on uh, at the back of the agreement, there's often a section, the notice clause section. And this is, you know, boilerplate legalese that people just copy and paste from contract to contract. And one of the things that mm. you can look for is what I call the contract in the mine of, um, sorry, the, the canary in the mine, not the contract in the mine, the canary in the mine of contract design. <laughs> and uh, that is if you're putting in there that people can give notice via fax. So if you're sending notices via mm. fax machine, your contract needs redesign. <laughs> it does in some specific use cases. So in Australia, I think there's certain like um, doctors use faxes because it's supposedly secure or something. But um, in most general instances, you're not sent, but you wouldn't even be able to find a fax machine to send a notice by yeah. fax. So that is a good <laughs> sign that your contract needs a bit of work. Mm -hmm. And who are you redesigning contracts for? Oh, another excellent question. And contracts are one of those things where there's multiple different users. So there's the mm -hmm. lawyers who have a particular you know, legal reason for wanting to have a contract there. Then there's the salespeople who might be wanting to have a contract for a particular reason, maybe so they can get commission. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's yep. the users who want to, uh, the, sorry, the kind of customers, clients who want to understand, you know, what am I getting? Am I, what am I paying for? Or what am I being paid for to do if they're a supplier? So there's lots of different users of a contract. And mm. that's what makes contract redesign so much fun, such a challenge because you do mm -hmm. when, you know, often you'll say like, just design it with the user in mind, but which user you have to think of multiple users and different use case scenarios. So mm -hmm. I think um, th when you put forward what you're redesigning the con a contract for, it is preferable to keep the end users in mind, I think, so that that mm -hmm. way you're setting up your contract for the people who will know least about the business will know le the least about and you're wanting to make it easy for them to navigate. Um, but it does depend mm -hmm. on the type of contract and a lot of those intricacies mm -hmm. about the industry that you're in. Mm -hmm. that, that's a great point, actually. C can you redesign any type of contract? And is it a good I idea? I say to... yes. I think yes. Every yes. contract needs to be redesigned. So um, a lot of when I when I talk about contract redesign to law firms and kind of really traditional lawyers, they're like that's fine for mum and dad type contracts. But you know, I work in mergers and acquisitions. I can't be putting icons and like redesigning my contracts. It's got to be a certain way. I need my legalese language and all my jargon. And often the reason why people they're not looking to redesign their contracts is because they're inward focusing because they're trying to minimize their own risk. Well, we've always done it this way and mm -hmm. this is just what we know. So they can't really, there's no real need to change from their perspective. But on the other side, um, I think you'd find that there's so much room for improvement and that clients from all different industries, small business, enterprise, even up to like, I've seen some amazing big business contracts. There's really big examples from Shell using visual contracts. Um, SpaceX has got icons and visual elements in their contracts. You know, Telstra, when I was working at Telstra, which is tel Australia's largest telecommunications company, we've started redesigning and using visual, visual elements within those contracts. So uh, it's from, from consumers all the way up to big business. Every contract can mm -hmm. be redesigned. 
Yeah. Every contract can be redesigned. (laughs) I should put that on a bumper sticker. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm sure you'd get quite a few people uh, getting those, to be fair. (laughs) Happy to to put them on their cars. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And what is the goal? Obviously, we've we've talked about the kind of triggers that might mean that you need to start thinking about Mm. redesigning a contract or your contracts. It, are you focusing on tackling that one issue or should we be thinking about contract redesign as having some, you know, foundational benefits? Yeah, and it's, so there's, I think so. So there's kind of the the reason mm. why you have a contract in the first place. So what is the purpose for having this contract? Then there's the purpose for the redesign. So why are you redesigning mm. this contract? So if you're redesigning it for, to Um, because there's a new law coming in or because the regulator is expecting you to redesign for plain language or you've got lots of customer complaints or you want to automate the document to make it easier to manage or to make it faster to assemble. So there's lots of different Mm -hmm. reasons that you can put in there. I often talk about contract designers being like a buffet at a hotel, you know, hotel breakfast buffet, where you might mm-hmm. get excited and you see all the things that you want to like pile your plate up high with a bit of everything. Yeah. And then you end up either not liking the combinations you've put together and you kind of leave some behind, you can't get it through at all, you feel sick at the mm-hmm. end. So contract design's the same. If you are picking, uh, if you're going to do automation, contract economics, plain language, user testing, like you'll be a little bit from each of them, but if you're piling up your plate high with everything, you'll end up feeling mm-hmm. a bit queasy at the end and your project yes. might not be as successful as what you would want it to be. So I would take, say to take, be clear on, the reason why you are like your purpose for having the contract and your purpose for redesigning the contract and it can be multiple purposes Mm -hmm. but as long as you're clear on the reasons why and often it will just be we want it to be Mm -hmm. easier to read we want it to be um, Mm -hmm. more user-friendly and those are good but you also want to kind of dig in a little bit deeper so that that way if it's easier to read Mm -hmm. for lawyers that's one thing but making sure it actually can be read by your clients or by your customers is uh, is a different question again so that's what you want to be testing for yeah that's a that's a great point and what components are on the breakfast buffet of yes so the breakfast buffet <laughs> kind of starts off with yes. just information design on one one side and that can be things like um, plain language, changing the font, the structure of the document. Mm. Then there's kind of things like user testing, which is really important. So you can just test it yourself and kind of get your own thoughts on mm. it or test it with other lawyers. Or then you can go and do like test it with clients. So it's kind of the scale of going from easier to harder, like just testing it versus mm-hmm. um, actual yeah. client testing. Then there's uh, using uh, contract economics is kind of down the other end of, of difficult things, which is looking at the numbers and the metrics that sit behind your contracts. So often this can involve, mm. you know, at the hardest level, it can involve specialist software where you might, for example, have every single clause is catalogued and you know every single time that that is negotiated or changed. And so based on that particular, you know, once you get the data through, based on that, you might tweak or change that clause, or you might look at, oh, we 
this particular phase of contracting takes us longer, how can we speed that up? So that's when you're starting to look at the metrics mm -hmm. and the data that sits behind the contracts and maybe looking at that whole mm -hmm. life cycle of the contract, which is a bit more tech heavy and difficult to do. You can get some really basic metrics mm -hmm. to start with um, around how many contracts are used and, and how long it takes each time mm -hmm. as a starting point. Um, if you don't have that specialist software and then what else is on there there's a few other automation is a, is a big one so whether or not you're ready to automate mm -hmm. your documents you can always get them ready for automation which will make it quicker when you when you do want to automate them starting to think about yes. how you'll structure them where things change in the contract kind of sit could you put those things together so that they're easier to find um, i always talk about doing process mapping as well so that you because contracts don't just mm -hmm. magic I mean sometimes it feels like they magically appear from nowhere <laughs> but there's generally a process yeah. that goes from whether it's a salesperson having a you know a kickoff call with a client or if there's a tender that you respond to or the the contracting process doesn't just appear when a lawyer gets a contract on their desk and gets asked to review it or gets asked to create one. Mm -hmm. You've got to look at both sides of that process and, and try to see, well, where in this process can we improve it? And then sometimes that might interact with the mm -hmm. document. So I look at the contract document and the contract process and something that slows down mm -hmm. a lot of that kind of automation process as well as the, you know, just general document assembly process is approvals. So if you need specific approvals yeah. for different sales prices or commission rates or anything that needs an approval within the document uh, can often slow things down. So I think it's really good if you at yeah. least have a list of what those approvals are and then you can go and talk to the people that do the approvals. So if it's a financial approval, can you go and have a chat to the finance team and say, do you need to approve everything mm -hmm. or only deals over a certain amount? Or what is it that you're looking for? Because if this yeah. is standard and locked down, like, do you want to see it? Or like, if we automate it so that that way it can't be changed by the sales team, would you feel comfortable like not approving it? Mm -hmm. And you just try and have a chat to see which of the approvals you can reduce, like figure out a threshold for and which you can hopefully cut out altogether. Yeah. So there's kind of yeah. lots in that, the different, buffet of options of the contract design, yeah. but um, those are some of the main ones. When it comes to contract redesign, many lawyers interpret that phrase as just adding pretty pictures or fancy icons, but there's so much more to contract redesign. And here are Verity's key components. Firstly, information design. This is how the contract is structured, the fonts used and the language used, for example. Secondly, and arguably most critically, is user testing. Gathering feedback from your legal team and testing it against internal and external clients is critical to making improvements and also spotting any inefficiencies. Then, contract economics. With this, you are looking at the numbers and metrics that sit behind your contracts. At a very simple level, you can get some basic metrics set up around, for example, how many contracts are used and how long they take. Finally, process mapping and automation. Contracts don't just magically appear from nowhere, as I'm sure you know. There's a process that sits behind them. And by zooming out on this process, you can spot any areas for improvement. 
it's, it's, I think it's a great point to make because I think when some people think about a contract redesign, they do probably think, oh, we'll add, or, you know, it's adding pictures and adding icons and things like that. So it, it encompasses a lot more. Yeah. Um, albeit as a non-lawyer, I'm all for adding pictures and, and simplifying It's a good point saying. though, because often people think contract design or legal design is just kind of pretty pictures, but it's it's so much more than that. The way that I think about contract mm-hmm. design at a really basic level is you've got the legal content, which you need to get right in your contract. You've got the contract document that you need to get looking good and working well, but then the contract process as well. So it's those three elements together mm-hmm. that kind of work in harmony to create that a contract that's mm-hmm. well-designed. And so, yeah information design, plain language, user testing, process mapping, automation and metrics are are the main elements of that contract design buffet. That sounds good. And so if we were, for the first time ever, we've got a bunch of contracts, say we're in-house lawyers, um, and we want to go about redesigning these what's the process? Where do we start? Good question again. Uh, So often, (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, people think, oh, should I redesign the process? Because the process is we're being told, you know, the legal team is being told we're the bottleneck and we're too slow. Or do we redesign the document? Because often they go hand in hand. Um, so I would pick, depending on whether or not you have more control over the document or the process, or which one is kind of more of the pain point, then you would either start redesigning the contract process or the contract document. I like to start with the document because often as the, you know, when you're, if you're in-house or as the legal expert, you might be the contract owner. So you can have a bit more um, say and ownership over that document. So you can get stuck into fiddling around with things and, and redesigning it to get it looking pretty good. It's always nice to go to people to with something that you've actually done to show them like I've started mm-hmm. doing this thing. Uh, so I would say to re- to get started on the document first. And then the process that I mm-hmm. use is what I call reverse sandwich contracting because the idea is that a, a contract, mm-hmm. traditional contracts are kind of squashed up. You can't really see what's going inside them. It's like looking at a sandwich um, from the top. You can't really see what's going on in there. I don't know if this is what I ordered. could be something weird in there. Uh, and so the idea is to break open that sandwich, have a look at the different bits and pieces that are in there, maybe get rid of some of the bread or get rid of some of the things that you don't like that you don't need anymore. And then kind of put that back together with the tasty mm-hmm. stuff that kind of changes the really important stuff on the outside. And then kind of just that boring white bread boilerplate that doesn't really change on the inside. Not that the the white bread isn't important or whatever bread you choose, um, but it's just trying to keep that, yep. keep the things that stay the same together and things that change um, kind of at the front because mm-hmm. that's often those business commercial mm-hmm. terms that change all the time is what people are interested in, things like price, things like dates and times and who's and where's and what's are, are going to be that those important mm-hmm. business terms. So having the, your business terms first is a really powerful way to, to do a basic mm-hmm. redesign on your uh, contract. Yeah, definitely. And I think for, for people who have maybe, I don't know, say they've been working in a law firm or a large corporate and they move in house to maybe a you know, a, a more startup scale up type mindset, um, they'll be used to very traditional mm. contracts, um, I think. So kind of rejigging the contract and the way things are positioned, it can be quite a, 
you know, a sense of friction when they're first doing it because it's yeah. not what they're used to, I suppose. Oh, definitely. Do, do you find I think, that? Um, I've been lucky enough to work with quite a few uh, lawyers and law firms who have got, I've seen go the whole way through, like that kind of, you can see them feeling a bit tense when you start moving, like we might just move this definitions at the back because we don't need it up front. Like this is where we should be welcoming people into this business relationship. Mm -hmm. So we want our front our front of our contract mm -hmm. to be engaging and inviting. We don't want it to be like stressful. Um, term and termination is like the first thing in the agreement is stressful <laughs> to see. Um, so they, I think a lot of people do, once they kind of see it, that's why I, I kind of say, have a go at doing it first. Don't um, just talk about, oh, I want to redesign this contract. Just have a go, like do it and then show people, I have redesigned this. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Would you like to, you know, work on redesigning this mm -hmm. further is um, a really good way to at least show people what you're thinking in terms of redesigning. Especially mm -hmm. if you're redesigning it for a specific mm -hmm, exactly. purpose, like automation. I've redesigned this so that we can automate it or I've redesigned it because I know we've got a big push on customer centricity or, you know, if you can align it to a business goal mm -hmm. and show the, the impact that it can have, it can be really powerful. Mm -hmm. And what a great way for the legal team to integrate more into the into the business and show their value even more. Oh, so. 100%. Marketing teams, go to the marketing teams and ask for all the icons. Yes. Get, the, get the latest and greatest icons from the marketing or the brand team. Ask for the brand voice document and kind of add in some of that flavor where you can. Yeah, it's a great way to mm -hmm. show that you're human <laughs> to the rest of the business and, yeah. and you're not just kind of this um, like random um, business unit that kind of says no a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. So we have we've we've tried ourselves to redesign the yes. contract. Had to go. Um, what's next? Uh, so if you've redesigned the document, it's always really good to redesign the process as well. So if you're looking at even if it's not mm -hmm. automated at all, if you can um, look at how does it get to you, what what's the process that you can take, and then thinking about that user experience. If you've got time and energy, there's a few different, mm -hmm. you know, you can do a, just a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, like contract design, or if you're going into it um, in more depth, mm -hmm. really thinking about the user experience for all the different users on using that contract. Um, uh, if you've mm -hmm. redesigned it and you've done some testing, you know, internally with your clients or externally with customers or suppliers, getting their feedback is really important with any kind of design project. Get get used mm -hmm. to people telling you they don't like the way that icon looks or they want this move somewhere else. It's never kind of personal. You can always take it on or just kind of keep thinking about things. But um, Definitely getting that user feedback and testing is really important, as well as um, marking yourself on some of those key things that you wanted to achieve. So go back and be like, oh, what was the reason why we were doing this contract redesign? Oh, we wanted to make it easier mm -hmm. to read. So saying, well, how was it before? How are we going now? Oh, we've increased, you know, we've we've decreased the page count by 20%. Or, you know, so you can measure yourself against the mm -hmm. goals that you set. So you can track your progress. Mm -hmm. uh, and then hopefully it's just applying for awards and enjoying all the accolades from all your great work on contract redesign. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally, totally. I can imagine it's quite easy. I imagine it's quite a fun project to work on and you can get quite enthusiastic and rally behind it. Is it, 
is it quite difficult to rein yourself in sometimes and remember what your original it goal can was? be for sure and I have to remember that with lots of my clients now where we'll start on a specific mm -hmm. scope and like oh we don't know we just want to start on this one portion and then they like start saying like oh if we expand this out we could do all of this so you've got to try and try and keep you keep an eye mm -hmm. on potential other opportunities but at the same time just try and deliver that one project because mm -hmm. if you don't get that one out the door and done you don't have that proof case for to, to get the the, mm -hmm. the next people behind so it is a lot of fun um mm -hmm. workshops and contract design kind of catch-ups are, are a lot of fun and really interesting you always need more time mm -hmm. than what you allocate because people yeah. do get caught up on um specific details or uh trying to trying to pick the perfect icon <laughs> sometimes it can be a little bit tricky but I think setting mm -hmm. that time where you can doing it in in dedicated sprints mm -hmm. that's why it's always nice to try and have a bit of a deadline on your project and kind of spacing that out project management is um, an interesting one for contract design because you do have to there's so many you know there's the users involved but then it's also there's a lot of subject matter experts so for example i've worked on contract design projects for small business contracts where internally we needed to go to you know we went to the product team to try and get the product lawyers to understand what we were trying to do and, and what are the specific product terms and can we present it this way and then going to the dispute resolution team and saying like well this is our updated dispute resolution clause what do you think about this what are the issues that you're seeing so it's kind of a lot of outreach and uh, facilitation and stakeholder management and getting feedback and input and and, mm -hmm. and trying to keep all of the plates spinning in a way so it can get away from you yeah. but I think it's that old saying of um, if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together so actually going and talking to all those different groups whether that's legal team members in different groups or business units um, it's actually all really good change management and it makes your document and process better at the end so you'll get amazing feedback on from the people that actually use it I've done lo lots of these projects now and when you talk to the business um, the team members that understand the contract and how they want to use it they're actually able to give you new ideas so um, for example I was working on a on a release uh, for a, like a talent release when you're doing filming and, and things like that. And the marketing person kind of said, oh, I asked like, what's one of the most annoying things about when, you, when you're doing these kind of shoots? And they said, oh, it's annoying because we get the footage at the end, but then we've got these releases, but we don't know who we end up using to double check who's who because they don't wear name tags in the footage necessarily mm -hmm. and so one of the things that we came up with was that we would get the person to take a selfie as they were signing the automated document and that would then attach to the release and I would, but I would never would have thought of that by myself because I didn't know it was a problem so it's kind of doing those little yeah. those interviews mm -hmm. and user testing and, and just talking about pain points that can give you that really good information to solve that you can that you can solve once you know it but if you don't even mm -hmm. ask you don't even know yeah. there's a problem so totally totally and do those mm. uh, the user testing on a really practical level what does that actually look like I know you mentioned kind of workshops or is it just a chat or so there's what, lots of different ways like? to do it and it just um you know I'm by no means like a user testing there's like people that get paid very well to do lots of 
you know, lots of that, mm-hmm. um, that work. But at a really basic level, if you're doing, if you're testing, yeah. say, for example, like this new visual, overall, if you've redesigned something to look better or to match up with brand values or brand mm-hmm. attributes that you want, first of all, you can start off quite broad and just get people to look at the document and kind of give them their broad broad impressions of it, kind of like a bit of a Tinder test, like what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Would you swipe Would you swipe on this contract? Yeah. Then you can kind of move down into something more, uh, more kind of controlled so that if you're asking people to list specific mm-hmm. words, so because people might just, you know, with the open feedback, they might just say, looks nice, and they don't really give you much more. But then if you say, could you mm-hmm. give us some words that describe the design and then you're looking to see whether or not those words that they Mm -hmm. give you match up to the you know does it say simple easy clear what you wanted from the project then you can go even more locked in and get people Mm -hmm. to start doing ratings so if one of your brand attributes is trustworthy for example you could get people to rate how trustworthy do you think this document is and then you're starting to build a little bit of science around the design and the user testing Um, other ways to do the testing if you're wanting to do something like how if if your pain point might be processing time so if it's how long it takes to set up the contract. You can do the comparing before and after. That could be just in a fake, you know, a fake test of a few lawyers trying to do it or whoever sets up the document. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be some testing with clients and running them through it and just asking them their thoughts on it. Uh, It can, yeah, it could be, there's lots of different ways to test it. Um, But those are just a few. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Completely. And the whole process sounds like you're kind of um, challenging your assumptions and challenging every clause, challenging every word, um, just kind of stress testing the contract, I guess. Is that, is that fair uh, to say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's often, there's kind of the base level pass that you can do. There's some work that you can do where you kind of, um, once you get, get your head into this, because plain language and legalese is kind of like a whole trying to translate it directly is quite difficult this I think there's some work that Google Translate is doing to translate legalese to to plain language I'll be interested to see how that goes (laughs) but sometimes the intention you know sometimes the intention behind a particular clause is it's meant to be vague or Mm -hmm. you can't explain it completely Mm. with you know making it super clear and so then that's when it becomes like you said the stress Mm -hmm. testing like going to the the people and saying, oh, by the way, I've, I would like to delete this clause. Do you need it? And then they have to kind of, mm-hmm. it's quite challenging for them often because they have to think, I don't know, do we need it? But we'd like to have mm-hmm. it. I'm not sure. So it is a little bit of that that discussion mm-hmm. on do we do we keep it? What is it? Love it or lose it? Kind of get rid of this clause. Do we need it? Do we have to have it? Yeah. Can we get rid of it? Does mm-hmm. it do anything? Um, so there is a bit of that stress testing. And mm-hmm. it might not be on every single clause, but it's definitely on, some of the those key ones and I think most contracts will have try to have those key areas that you look at depending on what the purpose of the redesign is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah brilliant and um I know you, you've mentioned a few but just so we're clear what would you say are the kind of key key clauses that you you touched on there? oh so in or terms of um in terms of redesign I always like I like to have a really nice front page against the tinder kind of mm-hmm. welcoming but also you know imagine uh, 
when you arrive at the airport, you kind of want to know like, where do I go? What am I doing? And you want to be directed mm -hmm. from that front page of the document. So that is, even though it's not mm -hmm. necessarily a clause, but it's kind of that whole thing, really clear up front what's mm -hmm. going on. Uh, I think the, the ones that people tend to care about is always going to be around price and scope. So yep. there's a few ways that you can do that by kind of making it clear where the dollars are, making it clear where mm -hmm. the scope is, what's included. And I think that's really useful. I also mm -hmm. think uh, having a clear path to what happens when things go wrong is really important. Um, I do a mm -hmm. lot of work in making contracts more collaborative and um, also something called conscious contracting, which has got a really specific approach that they take around how you you trying to set up a positive approach to conflict so that that way you can resolve it before it kind of gets out of yeah. hand. And it's all about relational mm -hmm. contracting and it's not per, you know, you don't necessarily need it for really transactional um, contracts that might not, you know, like just like click to agree, we don't really mind. But if it's like a big enterprise partnership type agreement or even a small business, but a really close knit relationship with like virtual assistants or kind of someone who's going to be really integral to business, thinking about how you'll handle conflict together can be really valuable for, for you personally, because it's kind of like a little bit of that growth, like how do I want to handle conflict proactively? And um, yeah. and it's kind of getting into that, maybe it's a bit woo-woo for contracting, some people might say, but I think that it's really important to understand as a business mm. or as a human, how are we going to resolve issues together? Because they'll definitely crop up, things are going to change. Um, so how can we work through them together? So those would probably be some of the key ones, front page, price, scope, how are we going to handle disputes? I think um, the one that, that people spend a lot of time on is often liability and indemnity. I think just making sure that things are fair and balanced is a good approach um, mm -hmm. and making sure that you've got a clause that you're happy to stand behind. So I think um, those are the main ones. I also make sure I get rid of words I don't like, like shall. That's um, one of my bugbears, a few bugbear words that I like to move, move get mm -hmm. rid of those and just make it clear what's going on doing the scan through for any mm -hmm. passive language so that that way it's kind of the active voice where mm -hmm. you can. Um, yeah, I think those would be the main kind of basic ones. Verity gives four examples of what you might want to improve when redesigning your contracts. Firstly, the front page. This should clearly explain what the contract is all about and include any key information, usually around price and scope. Secondly, defining a positive approach to conflict. This means articulating that sometimes issues do arise, but emphasising that you'll work collaboratively to resolve issues before they get out of hand. Then, when it comes to liability and indemnity, be sure to take a step back and challenge yourself that the clause you've created is fair. Lastly, always scan through your contract and remove any passive language. Being more action-orientated brings a contract to life and creates further understanding for the reader. A key feature of all of this is conscious contracts, which is all about making contracts more collaborative and balanced, as well as better understood. And it sounds like, so you've redesigned it, you've tested it with all the mm. users um, in various different ways. It sounds like 
it'd be hard to not have a brilliant contract at the end of it. But I suppose, how do you know when you've, you know, created a good contract after, through mm. the redesign process? Well, my favourite thing to hear is when I've done a redesign project for a client and then so an in-house mm -hmm. legal team, for example, and then they've rolled out that contract, but then their customers give them feedback that they, they love their contract. So that is like perfect mm -hmm. when it's not, it's not just internally like lawyers high-fiving each other being like, yay, we like used, you know, Arial font instead of Times New Roman and like we've changed the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if it's actual feedback from people who don't even know that you've redesigned your contract, mm -hmm. they just were like, this is the best contract I've ever seen or this is, this that was so easy, that was so mm -hmm. quick um, and just I've had feedback from when I'm delivering some of my contract design training, one of the attendees came along to that and then redesigned the contract and showed it to her internal client and they squealed with delight, which is amazing feedback, you know, like getting <laughs> yeah. someone to squeal with delight yes. when they see your contract is a high bar to follow. But mm -hmm. even just noticing mm -hmm. um, complaints might drop down on particular issues if that was why you were redesigning. Mm -hmm are things like speeding up you'll mm -hmm. notice that problem that was a problem with that contract might just not be there anymore and so it's those kind of things that can mm -hmm. then you know maybe you're not as stressed when you think about that area of the business anymore even yeah. a lot of those things will show you like mm -hmm. oh thank goodness we redesigned that contract because that is such a smooth process now hopefully it shows in things like mm -hmm. conversions if your contracts are being you know knocked back or it could be shorter, shorter um, times to sign up new clients or new partnerships or new dealers. Mm -hmm. um, so there's lots of different indicators that hopefully you thought about the reason when you were designing it, and then you then once you double check those mm -hmm. at the end, you know, seeing that you've had success in those areas, and then hopefully you'll get some good feedback as well when people say, "Oh, that contract's great. That contract's great." Or even if they just go, "Huh," even yeah. if they just kind of like it a little bit, is 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 also yeah. a big win. Yeah, for sure, definitely. And I've heard you talk about the slap test. Could you could you walk oh, us through what yes. that is, please? I certainly can. Now the slap test, I, I, it's called slap. It's an acronym. It's not. And this was around before um, the Oscars. Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't just come up with it. Um, so the slap test is something that I kind of came up with as this way of how do you know, like a little bit of a quick a quick test to see when your contract is kind of ready or how it's kind of scoring so you can score it mm -hmm. so each letter is an area to check your contract in so mm -hmm. slap is a structure likable automated plain language and pictures so structure the kind of question that you ask and you give yourself a score out of 10 is your contract structured like a reverse sandwich contract um, is it structured in a way that makes sense that puts the business terms first? Likeable, does your contract look good? That's the, kind of that front page Tinder test. How good does your contract look just looking at it? Mm -hmm. um, automation, is your contract ready for automation? If you, if you could, would you be able to just put in the names and have it, would it be ready to go to sign? Plain language, is your contract easy to read and understand? And there's some basic metrics you can use on um, 
sentence length on readability grade level and passive sentences. They're not like the be all and end all, but it's a mm -hmm. good little indicator of how readable you are. So you kind of score yeah. yourself out of that. And then pictures, you've got to get some visuals in your contract these days. You've got to have some something to break up all of those slabs of text. Um, mm -hmm. People are going towards, you know, you can't, I, I would love to make more TikTok contracts. I think they could, we could have all kinds of fun things in there. But um, for starters, at least lawyers, please, let's get some icons and some visuals yeah. in contracts. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's it helps, the slap. It helps the... Um like information be digested as well it's not just pictures for pictures sake oh 100 there's the um picture superiority effect i think we're our brain um registers images something like six i don't even i feel like it's like 60 times faster i have to look it up to double check what it is mm -hmm. it's ridiculously how much faster our um our brains pick up pictures rather mm -hmm. than words so it uh, a lot of the research that has been done in this area has been done by an amazing graphic designer in Finland, um, Stefania Passera, and she's got a lot of research in this area. She did a PhD in uh, contract design. Thank goodness a graphic wow. designer has decided to help us with our legals. Yes, and and her amazing. research just shows that even educated people and judges work better with visual contracts so mm -hmm. um, and it, it helps people with English as a second language perform the same mm -hmm. as people with English as, a, as their first language in areas of comprehension and accuracy so it's it's great to get the visuals into the contract especially if you're working in across different jurisdictions and different cultures mm -hmm. it's having visuals mm -hmm. and you've got to be careful because just because we think a visual looks like this in one country, it might be mean a completely different thing somewhere else. But if you can yeah. find, you know, it, it takes a little time and effort, but that time and effort is paid off. When you've created or redesigned a contract, Verity recommends that you run it through the SLAP test. SLAP stands for structure, likability, automation, plain language and pictures. So structure. Is your contract structured in a way that makes sense to all parties? Likeable. Does your contract look good and give a great first impression? This includes offering the key information on page one. Automation. Is your contract designed in a way that will support automation? For example, is it clear where you would drop in names, costs, dates, etc.? Plain language. Is your contract easy to read and understand for all potential users? Here we're thinking about things like scenting length and avoiding legalese. And pictures. Of course, pictures help to break up your text and they look good, but they can also offer additional context or clarity to particular clauses or scenarios. And, and just to, to finish up, we've touched on many points there, but uh, what are the kind of business impacts of better designed and redesigned contracts I suppose. Ooh, gosh there's so many and it often does depend mm -hmm. on the size of your business and what yes. you are redesigning for. So I think mm -hmm. that um, certainty about what's in the contract is one that lawyers will often be surprised about because when you start redesigning it and you start asking like, why do we have this clause? And you'll start to realize that no one knows about this clause. Or okay. So you'll start to actually have certainty 
on your business mm-hmm. practices and it gives you that understanding of the of that area of the business from end to end. So um, faster mm-hmm. faster sign-ups, so faster to get clients or suppliers or whoever onboarded and that can often mean that you're getting revenue in earlier, So which mm-hmm. can compound over time in terms mm-hmm. of reduce complaints or reduce questions that can be a really powerful impact as well if the contract's really clear so you if there's an issue or someone can read the contract themselves they don't have to call in they don't have to um, kind of Mm -hmm. go to their account manager and then the account manager doesn't know so then they come to you so yeah it's kind of one of the ways that you can have the contract be an extra team member um, an extra set yeah. of hands in your business. Uh, what else? So faster, um, I think less stress. So with, with the less questions mm. that are coming in, um, it can be less stress for for customers because they can kind of self-serve, they can figure things out, less stress for internal team mm-hmm. members because they can answer client questions or they can just figure mm-hmm. things out themselves, less stress for the legal team because they're not getting those basic admin questions or the basic questions that um, yep. could be answered just by reading the contract because the contract is now readable. Um, hopefully you don't yeah. have to have those questions. Faster, less I, stress. I think as well, like the, <laughs> the, bus- the business teams who are, who are using them, I feel it, it must be easier for them to get behind well-designed and well-redesigned contracts, especially if they've been involved in the process and been asked their feedback. I think that would certainly create a, like a more of a legal culture for outside of the legal department as well, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I think people have a lot more ownership over the documents and are a lot more proud, kind of happy to stand behind them and put them in as opposed Mm -hmm. to like, oh, just like, here's a contract whatever just uh, I don't know yeah so they kind of are a bit yeah. like oh, oh I hope I hope thing. the client yeah. doesn't ask me any questions about this because I don't know how to explain <laughs> yeah. so mm-hmm. I think it does create that um a bit of a buzz around the contracts and being you know especially mm-hmm. for in a, in a sales-based business if you are mm-hmm. trying to do a lot of like you know, talking and you're schmoozing and everything and then you put the contract down. It's like a bucket of cold water because it's all really hard to read. Yeah. It's like I thought you were saying you would be easy to deal with in your forward thinking and innovative and your contracts are like the ugliest thing I've ever mm-hmm. seen or really difficult and, and kind of the clauses are all one-sided. Mm-hmm. So being able to present a contract that extends the brand promise. If you're saying you're an innovative company and you haven't redesigned your contracts, you're actually probably kidding yourself because your contracts mm. are, if they're the main way you generate revenue, then they're actually a yeah. really powerful business tool that you are completely overlooking. Yeah, totally. They're the engagement ring of business relationships, I suppose, aren't That's they? That's right. So oh, love that. Love that. <laughs> yeah, they are the So they should be ring. as sparkly as well. <laughs> That's right. They should be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. but useful too. Is there, a, well, of is course. there an, engagement, an engagement ring that can be like, can do some work as well, right? You can wear it in the, yeah, you can exactly. dig, a, dig a hole with it. exactly exactly no that's brilliant perfect well thank you so much um i don't know if there's any final things you'd like to add around contract redesign or anything at all (laughs) um yeah only if you would like a i think i can share links to different bits and pieces with you yeah that um, would be amazing and it'd be great um i know you have a great 
great book as well if you want to give it a quick shout out that would sure be sure thing so um <laughs> yeah. create create contracts clients love is the book and then there's a little workbook that comes with it that's where the, the little slap test is in there and a few other fun things but um mm -hmm. i'll pop a link for you to uh, a free, first free chapter if anyone is oh, interested brilliant. in that they can get the first free sure. chapter Definitely. and they can create contracts clients love oh. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Um, it's been such a lovely, lovely time speaking with you and going over all things contract redesign, which even as myself as a non-lawyer, I really do think it's quite an exciting space. And I think everyone can kind of rally behind the whole concept of contract redesign. So it's super it exciting. It is exciting, um, Steph. I'm glad you're excited. I'm <laughs> excited too. <laughs> good, good. Well, thank you so much. Um, it's been a pleasure.